Good morning, City Light. That's it. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Well, my name is Eric. I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors here. And this last week, I got to drive up to northeast Nebraska, and I got to drive across southwest Iowa. And I'll tell you what, it's seasons like this that remind me why I love living where I live, right? Why I love living in southwest Iowa. Um, I love driving across the country on old highways and watching the ground transform. You know what I'm talking about? In early spring, everything just looks dark and dead, right? The fields are speckled with corn stalks uh, popping up from the dry ground that's just endured a frozen winter, and so it's hard and dark and dead. But then as spring takes hold, tractors start coming out of their sheds and they pull plows across that ground that dig into that hard soil and turn it up and lift it over, revealing rich black dirt underneath. And after that happens, or now maybe as that happens, right, planting happens and they drop seeds in nice rows that make the fields look beautiful as you drive past. And that's when the fun starts. That's when those seeds uh, land in that ground and then they begin to sprout up and break through the darkness, And as they do, those little things that were once just seeds are now sprouts, and they begin to add color to what was just dark, life to what was just dead. And as those seeds turned into sprouts, grow into plants, they grow up and fill out, and they change the whole landscape. What was once just dark and dead turns green and full of life. And as the wind sweeps across those leaves, they dance. We may not have ocean waves around here, but by the end of summer, we got amber waves of grain. Amen? This is where we live. I love it. And I love living right here, and I love watching that transformation, dark, dead fields turn into green, living places, because it reminds me of a well-known truth, a truth that botanists and biologists study, a truth that farmers and florists depend on, a truth that pastors and parishioners live by. The truth is this, what you sow is what you reap. What you plant is what you harvest. It's the rule of cultivation, right? I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, rules like that are helpful in life. They're helpful because they make life predictable. They help us know how to live today so that the way we live tomorrow is good. They, They help us get through. But Galatians, as we've studied this book the last 12 weeks, this is week 12, it just hasn't let us land on any rule like that. Have you noticed it? It says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You cannot do enough to save yourself. Jesus did it all. 
In your flesh, you cannot obey enough rules to do what the Spirit does in people like you and me when we put our faith in Jesus. You can't follow enough rules to make yourself new. And so it's Galatians, uh, for people that just want to follow rules, it's been a hard book, right? It's been hard knowing, man, we can't do enough on our own. Probably the most common question Doug and I have gotten in the last 12 weeks goes something like this. But doesn't it matter how I live? Man, I get what you're saying in Galatians. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But doesn't it matter how I live? I think to give a right answer, an accurate answer to that question, we have to clarify the question first, don't we? If you say, but doesn't it matter how I live, and what you're really asking, the underlying question is, isn't there anything, isn't there something I can do to help Jesus make me right with God? If that's the underlying question, then the answer is a clear no. Galatians makes it abundantly clear that you can't do good enough. You can't live right enough to make yourself right with God. If you say, but doesn't it matter how I live and you mean, can I help Jesus save me? Then the answer is no. But if instead you ask, doesn't it matter how I live? And the underlying question is, man, in light of all that Jesus has done to save me, all of the goodness that he has shown toward me, shouldn't that change how I live? Shouldn't that impact my life? If that's the underlying question, if that's what's motivating you to say, doesn't it matter how I live? Then the answer is a resounding yes. If you've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ in your life, it should impact your life. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, then the fruit of the Spirit should be growing in your heart, in your soul, in your life. It should change how you live. If that's the underlying question, then yes, it does matter how you live. And so if you're asking that question today, if the last 12 weeks have left you wondering that, then uh, you might be a rule follower, right? (laughs) You might just be wondering, okay, then what rules do I follow? How do I live? And you're going to get your answer today. In the very end of Galatians, Paul's going to give us two rules, okay? Uh, A little shocking in light of everywhere we've been, but let me qualify it first. These aren't rules like the Old Testament law. They're not rules like get circumcised or wear sackcloth the third Wednesday of every month, okay? They're not rules that tell you exactly what to do and when to do it. The two rules that Paul's going to give here at the end of Galatians are more like the rule of gravity. They just describe how things work. You could try to live like gravity, uh, the rule of gravity doesn't affect you, it doesn't impact you, but every time you jump, right, you're going to come back to earth. It's just the way things work. And so Paul's got two of that kind of rule for us today. His rules are this, the rule of cultivation and the rule of new creation. All right, we're going to look at both of those. The rule of cultivation. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. This is how Paul says it in Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Paul comes out of the gate swinging. This is some intense language. Do not be deceived. Don't let anybody trick you. Don't let anybody convince you that the truth isn't true, right? Paul is saying that God created the world to operate in a certain way, and you can't think that you can live like that rule doesn't apply to you and get away with it. God won't be mocked. He created the world to operate like this. You will sow what you reap. You will harvest what you plant. Now, I want to make a couple observations about this rule of cultivation, uh, what is it? What does it look like? How does it operate? All right. Uh, the first observation: whatever one sows, that will he also reap. What you plant, that that kind of thing, something on the order of what you planted, that is what you will harvest. All right, you know this. If you plant a tomato seed, it does not, when it grows up, turn into a corn stalk or an apple tree or a grapevine or a Tesla, right? If you plant a tomato seed, when it grows up, you get a tomato plant. You guys know that is the rule of cultivation in action. Farmers depend on this. When they plant corn kernels in rows in their fields, later on they expect corn stalks to grow so that they can harvest that. When florists plant lily seeds in a pot, they expect lilies to grow. That's how cultivation works. Seeds grow into the kind of thing that uh, uh, the seeds grow into the kind of thing that they came from, right? It's the order of things. It's how things work. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap. All right? Are you following? Observation number two. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. He will reap what he sows. It is going to happen. Seeds grow. If you plant them, they will come, right? I remember as a kid uh, playing in my lawn, and uh, my dad and I had different opinions about the lawn. He did not like to see those little yellow flowers growing in the lawn. I did, because dandelions grew those cool white globes of soft, fluffy things, and I could pick them and blow on them, and they would just disperse, right, and float in the air and land a few feet away. I felt like I was, like, conquering worlds and destroying them, you know, when you're blowing on it. And so I remember my brothers and I, we'd love to see dandelions growing up, pick those things, blow them. What we didn't know was that on the other end of the white, fluffy thing was a seed. Or maybe we did know, we just didn't care, right? Uh, so we'd pick those things and blow them, and we would playfully plant dandelions all over our lawn. And you know what that did? That made our dandelion problem worse, not better, right? Because whatever you plant, that is going to grow. Whatever you uh, sow, you reap. If you think you can plant dandelion seeds and grass will grow, you're deceived. That's not how it works. If you plant dandelion seeds, dandelions grow. 
Paul is saying, do not be deceived. Whatever uh, a man plants, that, the same kind of thing, will, it is going to happen, he harvests, right? That's the rule of cultivation. And the rule that governs the fields and the flowers, Galatians tells us, applies to men and women like you and me as well. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we can sow and reap in our lives. We will cultivate something in our lives. And Paul starts with this warning to those who would sow to the flesh. Sowing to the flesh, cultivating the flesh, it means living for yourself. It means that pursuing your own good and fulfilling your own desires are the most important things in your life. So what does it look like to sow to the flesh? Well, Galatians earlier in the book told us exactly what that looks like. Uh, It said that there are works of the flesh. And the list included things like sexual immorality, jealousy, anger, rivalries, drunkenness, and things like these. So how do we cultivate the flesh? Do you desire sex? You cultivate the flesh by pursuing that however you want at all costs, right? Do, does somebody else have something that you want? You cultivate the flesh by getting angry at them and jealous of them because they have what you want and they're not number one, you are. Does somebody stand in the way of you getting what you want? You cultivate the flesh by cutting them out of your life and starting rivalries and divisions. You can cultivate the flesh. Now, I don't think most of us go through life planning it out this way. We don't go through life thinking, to get what I want, I'm going to live an immoral, angry, divisive life. I don't think anybody sets out to go through life like that. And yet Galatians says, do not be deceived if you sow to the flesh. That's exactly what's going to happen. If you sow to the flesh, from the flesh, you will reap corruption. That word corruption in the Bible, it can also mean uh, destruction, decay, perishing. It's like a rotting, decaying sort of death. Galatians tells us that if you sow to the flesh by living for yourself above all else, you will reap death. Do not be deceived. You cannot cultivate sin in your heart and reap godliness. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Now, that is a heavy word, right? Uh, Thank God that Paul didn't stop there. He didn't say you must sow to the flesh. He said if you sow to the flesh, there is another way. We don't have to sow to the flesh. We can sow to the Spirit. What does that look like? 
Sowing to the Spirit looks like living for Jesus instead of living for yourself. Sowing to the Spirit looks like uh, making the good of others and the desires of the Spirit the most important things in your life. Here's how Paul describes it. Galatians 6, uh, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So how do you sow to the Spirit? Right after Paul says you can sow to the Spirit, he twice says you do good. Now, I don't know about you. This was really unexpected for me. We've been going through the book of Galatians, and all along, uh, he's been saying it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything, right? It is faith, not works. It is spirit, not flesh. It is promise, not law. And yet here he says that we sow to the spirit by doing good. That sure sounds like Jesus plus something, like Jesus plus the law or works or the flesh. What is this about? Well, track with me for a minute because I don't think the message has changed. Sowing to the Spirit is doing good. We have to ask the question, what kind of good? Uh, it is, it, he says, let us do good to everyone. It's not doing good under the law or according to the law so that we might be declared good by the law. That is what the rest of Galatians has told us doesn't work. So what kind of good are we to do? Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith, but to everyone. As we have opportunity, he's saying that there is an object, a direction, a someone on the receiving end of our good. We are to do good to everyone. And so uh, last week, uh, Jason preached on Galatians 6.2. That said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right? Paul's saying there is a new law in town. It's not circumcision and ritual. It is love and doing good to everyone. What's the law of Christ? Uh, the, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Love is the law of Christ. And so we cultivate the spirit of Christ, or as Paul said, the spirit of the Son. We sow to the spirit in our lives when the love of Jesus inside us works itself out through our hands. The love of Jesus in our hearts works itself out through our hands. We do good to everyone as we have opportunity. So let me be clear. We aren't doing good to earn God's love. We're doing good because we already have God's love, okay? Um, so the, those words, when Paul started out, do not be deceived, they came as a warning to those who would cultivate the flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. But those same words, do not be deceived, come as a promise to those who would cultivate the spirit. Do not be deceived. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap 
if you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. It's a promise. It is secure. So let me tell you a story. My daughter, um, for her birthday back in April, she got a planter with some flower seeds. And she was really excited about it. She tore open the packaging. She uh, set the planter up, poured in the dirt, sprinkled the seeds, put a little bit of dirt back on top and watered them. And after those two minutes were over, the waiting started, right? (laughs) And it was hard for her. She was supposed to water those things every day. And she wasn't all that good at it. Some days she would forget. And other days when she remembered, she would just drown those poor little seeds. I think she thought if I give more water, they'll grow faster. Okay. Uh, So she's either forgetting or she's drowning them. Day after day, she's waiting, checking on these things. Will they ever sprout? Is the day ever going to come? And as discouragement started setting in because they weren't growing on her timeline, all of a sudden she started wondering, was this even a good gift? And City Light, if I'm honest, I think sometimes cultivating the spirit in our lives can feel the same way. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm trying to cultivate the spirit? I'm trying to plant seeds. Sure, sometimes I forget, and, I, and other times I go overboard, and sometimes I mess it up, but I'm trying. I'm trying to cultivate the Spirit. I'm, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to plant seeds by knowing the love of Jesus. I'm reading my Bible, and I'm praying, and I'm going to city group, and I'm coming here on Sunday mornings. I'm trying to plant seeds by showing the love of Jesus. I'm serving the people around me, doing good as I have opportunity. I'm telling people about Jesus when the chance arises. I'm trying to live a generous life by giving to the church and to people in need. I'm I'm trying to cultivate the Spirit in my life to plant seeds, but it just feels like the sprouts aren't coming. Like my daughter waiting for her seeds to pop up through the ground. It can be hard to wait for the fruit of the Spirit, for the seeds of the Spirit to sprout in your soul, right? Have you ever been there? Man, I think sometimes when we're waiting, our thoughts can sound something like this. Other people seem to have such a deep relationship with Jesus. Will I ever get there? Man, I'm trying to plant seeds in my marriage, but it is still hard. Will the love ever come back? Man, I'm trying to plant seeds. I'm trying to sow to the Spirit at work to change the atmosphere there, to impact people around me, to see Jesus banner lifted high. But work still just feels like work. Will progress ever come? Man, there's an addiction in my life that has had my yes for so long, and I'm trying to plant seeds, but saying no is still a fight every day. Will it ever get easier? Will the harvest ever come? Will the seeds ever sprout? And just be hard to wait, right? That's where the promise is important. It's where the promise matters. Paul says, do not be deceived. 
For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you will reap eternal life. If you're asking the question while you're waiting, will the harvest ever come? Will it ever sprout in my life? The answer is yes. Paul promises that to us. It will come. So don't grow weary and don't give up. We lock arms. We pull the plow. We plant the seeds. And we trust that God will give the growth. It's the rule of cultivation. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. It's good news. Amen? So, The first rule Paul gives us, the rule of cultivation, whatever you sow, that you're going to reap. He gives us one more in the final sentences of his letter. It's the rule of new creation, okay? Uh, Let's look at that one. Galatians uh, 6, starting in 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who... Walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Now, remember, the book of Galatians is actually a letter that was written by uh, a pastor named Paul to his friends at the Galatian church. And here at the end of his letter, he's just reminding them there are some people who are out to convince the church that it's circumcision or uncircumcision that count. That's what counts For you and your standing before God. And Paul here at the end of the letter, one last time, is saying not only are they wrong, they're having the wrong conversation altogether. It would be like uh, two people standing on the side of the road next to a broken down car arguing about who should get to drive. Right? It doesn't matter who sits in the driver's seat. The car's broken down. You can't get that thing where you need to go. It can't do what you want it to do because it's broken. It won't work. It doesn't matter who drives. Sitting in the driver's seat might make you feel like you're in control, but it's not going to get you anywhere. It's the wrong conversation. You don't need the right driver in the broken car. What you need is a new car. You need something different, one that will work, one that can do what you need it to do and go where you need it to go. Paul is telling these guys, there are some people who would say it's circumcision or uncircumcision that counts. That's what matters. But that's just like sitting in a broken down, decaying, dead, corrupted car, right? It doesn't accomplish what you need it to accomplish. You need something else. You need to be made new. You need new creation. And so then Paul tells us that new creation changes everything. What's it like to change the conversation? How does that impact you? Paul says it changes everything. And we see it at least one way. There's lots of ways. I only picked one uh, for this morning. We see it in how we boast. Did you catch that? Um, If you live by the rule of circumcision, you boast in the flesh. If you're having the wrong conversation, you boast in the flesh. Uh, Paul wrote, they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Boast in the broken down car. 
Boast in what you can do. Boast in how good you are. It's the wrong conversation. If you're having the right conversation, if you're living by the rule of new creation, your boast changes altogether. You boast in Christ. Paul wrote, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so City Light, the question this morning is, what are you boasting in? Who is the hero of your story? Is the cross center stage or is it just supporting cast? I went to the uh, College World Series this last week. There were people from all over the country there cheering on their teams. Now, if I had the chance to ask every fan in TD Ameritrade Park who they'd like to brag on for getting their team to Omaha... I bet not a single one of them would say, I just like to boast in me, right? I did a whole lot of stuff to get my team here. I went to every game. I cheered for every player. I wore the right jersey and the right color face paint. I showed up early to tailgate. I stayed through all nine innings, and when it went into extra innings, I lasted 11 or 12 a few times, right? And then I'd stay late so that I could high-five all the guys as they left the field. I sure did a whole lot to get us here. Right? That's ridiculous. Nobody would claim that no fan in the stands would claim that they're the ones who deserve the boast for getting their team to Omaha. College World Series baseball fans boast in the players because the players are the ones who throw the pitches and turn the double plays. The players are the ones who swing the bats and score the runs. Baseball fans boast in players. And followers of Jesus boast on Christ in what he has done. That's what new creation is all about. You're not cleaning things up so that you can boast in yourself. You're changing the way you boast all together. You're not living to make yourself look good anymore. You're living to point your own heart and the hearts of the people around you to the only one who is good. Jesus Christ, everyone who has been made new, everybody who's experienced this new creation can declare with Paul, Jesus died for my sin, so now my sin is dead to me. And when Jesus died, he gave every good thing he had for me and to me, and that includes his spirit that now lives inside me. And so now this life, I live in the flesh, I live by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, so that with the Spirit, my only boast is in Jesus Christ alone and what he did on the cross. It changes everything, and we see it in how we boast. The rule of cultivation says, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, know the good news of the promise that you will reap eternal life. The rule of new creation says, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Getting right with God is not about what you can do to your flesh. It's about being made a new creation in Christ Jesus by the power of the cross. Two rules of how the world works. But listen, 
I can't end on that. Galatians hasn't been about rules the whole time, and so it just feels wrong to end with rules. And so Paul started and ended Galatians with grace. Almost his first sentence and last sentence were grace. Look at this. Galatians 1, 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He kicks it off with grace, and he ends it the same way. Galatians 6, 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And so today, I want to end the way Paul ended, with grace. If there is any rule to follow as you follow Jesus, it's this. Grace rules. Grace rules. Jesus gave himself for our sins. We didn't ask for it. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And he gave it anyway. It's the grace of Jesus that begins the Christian life because it holds the power of God for salvation. The grace of Jesus Christ has captured and captivated rich women in lavish gowns. It's captured and captivated working men in uniforms. It's captured and captivated impoverished children that have only rags to wear. The grace of Jesus Christ has spanned uh, seas and countries. It's crossed continents and oceans. Since Jesus broke out of that grave, the grace of Christ has endured the tests of time and culture. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has been and is the beginning of new creation for all who would call on his name. And if you haven't experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, you can turn to him today and experience new creation even now. And the good news of Jesus just keeps getting better. Because the grace of Jesus Christ isn't just the front door to the Christian life, it is the whole path of the Christian life. It is how we begin and it is how we continue. We like to say that it's not just the ABCs of the Christian faith, it is the A to Z of the Christian faith. That means that it's the grace of Jesus that welcomes sinners like you and me to the party. And it's the grace of Jesus Christ that he would love us even when we turn away, even when we fail and sin again. He still says, I love you. That's grace. It means the grace of Jesus Christ opens the door to his party and the grace of Jesus Christ keeps us there. That's good news, right? Because if it was the grace of Jesus Christ that opened the door and my obedience that keeps me there, I would have been kicked out of that party long ago. It is the grace that begins and the grace, and the grace of Jesus Christ that continues. It saves and sustains. That grace is not simply a nice church idea and it's not a heady theological treatise. It's not something out there beyond you that you have to grasp at and reach for. Paul says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of Jesus is with you and near you and in you. It's security when the world around you is shaking and it is enough to satisfy your deepest desires and your greatest needs. Oh, City Light, there is nothing like the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to end the way that Paul ended his letter to his friends. Oh, friends.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit today and all your days. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us grace. I thank you that Galatians is a book that spends 95% of its words telling us that it's what you've done, not what we can do. It's about what you have promised us, not about how we can obey the law. It's about how your spirit works in us, not how our flesh, uh, what we can do to us in our own flesh. God, I need to hear that because I'm so easily convinced I have to do more. It has to be about me. I have to live for myself. I have to do what I can do. I need to be reminded and convinced that it's you and you alone. Salvation is by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And yet, God, in your wisdom and your mercy to us. You don't leave us without instruction, without uh, help, without direction. And so I thank you that you just use simple concepts that we can see every day. Cultivation, man, what we sow in our lives, we reap. God, I pray that for people who need a warning, for people who are sowing to their flesh today, who know it, they know what I'm doing today is not working out for my good, the good of the world around me, and the glory of God. God, I pray that your warning would land on them this morning. Man, if we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption. God, I need to hear that. There are ways in my life that I've been sowing to the flesh. Oh, God. For me and everybody else who's sitting right there in that spirit, would you give us the good news that we don't have to live that way? That by the grace of your spirit, you've sent your spirit to live inside us, a living person, living inside a living person. When we cultivate that, oh God, you give us eternal life. Nobody else offers grace like that. Nobody else offers love like that. Oh God, would you capture us today? You sink roots deep in our souls that bear a harvest by the spirit that cannot be pulled up, that cannot run dry, a harvest of eternal life. Oh God, for your glory and our good, work in us today and all our days as we pray in Jesus' name.